Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Dr. Lulu, or uh, as she's known on the internet, Ask Dr. Lulu. Uh, she's a TEDx speaker, 2020, best-selling author. She's a momatrician, global speaker. Uh, she's also a blogger and motivational coach, and her primary work is, is, is working with the youth, especially ages 8 to 23, uh, in suicide prevention uh, and, and any other uh, mental health issues that uh, accompany that. Um, this episode, I want to warn you, is very emotional. It's very powerful. Here in America, there is uh, a bit of racial unrest, and, and Dr. Lulu has uh, three uh, African-American boys, and uh, so you'll hear the, the emotion in her voice. You'll hear uh, the sorrow, uh, the, 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 the anger, the, 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 just all the feelings. And what's beautiful, what's beautiful about this episode is that we, I meet her where she is. She shows up authentically. And as we, as we navigate those emotions of, of what's going on culturally uh, and, and racially, we then, we then move into talking about uh, how, you know, she was in an abusive marriage and, and how she got out. And then we get into talking about how kids can deal with bullying and how they can handle that. And we talk about the worst kind of bullying that, that kids undergo. Uh, we talk about how crying and laughing require the same muscles. We also get into the best uh, question you can ask somebody who's thought about ending their lives. Uh, Dr. Lula, at one point in her life, uh, was thinking about ending her life. She shares with us the three R's of, of dealing with overwhelming emotions. We get into the question you don't want to ask somebody who tells you, uh, that they may want to end their life. And we talk about the link between ADHD and suicide in kids. It's a very powerful link uh, that we, we definitely um, want to listen to. And then, uh, you know, she shares with us uh, a very powerful way of thinking about our emotions in, in a way that we can, if you have uh, thoughts where you're just ruminating and you can't seem to get the thought out of your head or you just have thoughts going on in a loop, she shares with us uh, a strategy for how to redirect our thoughts and how to uh, separate ourselves from our thoughts so that we can, we can be more objective and calm ourselves down. This is, a, this is an incredible podcast. I suggest that you have something uh, lighthearted to do, a farmer's market to go to, a cartoon to watch, because we're, we're going through all the emotions, and, it, and it's powerful. And, and I loved every single minute of it. This was incredible. Uh, in the meantime, you can also go to thrivewithleo.com and you'll get one-on-one -on -one coaching from yours truly. So with that said, uh, oh, you know what? And as an extra bonus, Dr. Lulu, Ask Dr. Lulu also gives her personal phone number for anybody who, who listens in. And, and really need someone to talk to. She gives you her phone number. So uh, she's the real deal. She's really here to help and really here to connect. Uh, so, so reach out if you need to. With that said, 
Let's get into the episode. How are you feeling today? I was just on your podcast and now you're on mine. This is going to be a blow blast. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully. I'm feeling a little weird because of the killings, but otherwise, I mean, I'm doing as well as I can do. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it it is weird, right? Is yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I, 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 don't know. I, I feel dirty almost, <laughs> and I feel I just it's weird. It's weird. It's my son's birthday, but I'm I'm happy it's his birthday, but then I'm like somebody else's son doesn't get to do their birthday, right? So I don't know. So I mean, it's a it's a beautiful place to start because at the end of the day, whether we're talking about what's happening uh, societally and culturally, um, uh, or we're talking about suicide prevention, we're at the end of the day, it, it, we're talking about emotions and, and how do we manage uh, feel, the moments when we feel weird, when we feel a little off, when we're, uh, you know, especially in the crosshairs of a celebration like someone's birthday, and then uh, a mourning, like, you know, the, the, the loss of, of, of someone, uh, and, and then also when there's, uh, you know, maybe even feelings of, of anger, um, how are you, na- how are you navigating all those emotions? Um, I mean, I'm speaking, that's what, that's one thing I know how to do. So I'm speaking, I'm, you know, letting it out on Facebook and showing out over there, but otherwise I'm just, my kids are fine. They, they're amazing because they have each other. So they can't, they, they're pretty much insulated almost in the sense that uh, at least they don't show me that it bothers them. But they were like the main reasons that I'm screaming out loud because I've got not one, not two, but three of them. So, and they're all boys. I need to, I need to cry louder than ever, even though they've had their own fair share of prejudice and police following you home just because you went to exercise in your neighborhood.com. But still, somehow they're able to manage it. Maybe more than me because I'm their mother, you know. Yeah, because you're not just thinking about yourself; you're thinking about how to protect them, and and you know, are they going to make it home safely? Every single time they go out the house, that's right. Even if it's to go walk the dog, yes, yes. I, For me, that's a reality right there. You know, so many people are are uh, worried about what's happening outside the home, worried about what's happening inside the home. How do we manage these emotions of, of, of worry, these, these, these thoughts? How do we, are we, or do we just sit with it, meditate, or, or do, we, do we watch a, a binge watch a Netflix show? Um, well, I'm not a TV watcher, but I think with any kind of emotion, you need to allow it, you need to let it in. You, you can't leave it outdoors because it's not going to go away. You got to let it in. You got to acknowledge, which is what, what I like to say. Just the first A is acknowledge, you know, the, the emotion. And, and then, of course, analyze is the second A and see where is, where is it coming from. Is this appropriate? If it's appropriate, then let it be because it is appropriate for me to be sad. It's appropriate for all black mothers, <laughs> black fathers as well. It's appropriate for us to be a little upset right now. So it's not, you know, I can't shake it because... I think it's appropriate to be to be more than upset, you know, as opposed to if everybody else is going to the left and I'm the only one going to the right, then we got a problem. But this is a, a nation in mourning, if if you want to put it that way, it's a nation unraveled, and all of the stuff, the the, the rots that lies beneath is just being unveiled, and we're not able to see it in the open. It's not it's not going to bring the person back, but. You know, and then I think more importantly is, is to act based on 
veracity. Like if you've checked yourself, I mean, my son, my, my brother sent me a video that I was already upset. And then that video upset me even more because apparently the auto zone that was broken into, they actually have the white guy on camera. He is the one that started that, but they made it look like it was a black folk. It, was just, it doesn't make any sense. Like you can't, you can't win. And then someone sent his wife a video saying, is this so and so she was like, yes, what is that in his hand? So his wife was like, yes, this is him. What is that in his hand? Because she didn't know what it was. So, so they're setting us up. And then when the riot started, then the, the leader of the free world says, those hooligans need to be, we're going to activate the police and activate the army. And it's just so big. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. I don't know. We already have the pandemic on us trying to just kind of work through the emotions of the pandemic. And then this is terrible. We just have nowhere to run to. And so that's why I say people don't ask me, why do people kill themselves? Ask yourself, because this is exactly the setup for why people kill themselves. Like they feel trapped. They feel, you know, emotionally exhausted. You can't go out. You can't stay home. You can't be in your backyard. You can't just be. There's no way out. And And is looking for the way out, is that how we should be? thinking about this in terms of, of looking for a way out or is, is there another reframe we could use? Not for me. I mean, you have to, you can't sit on it. You have to stand on it, but you know, you have to, you have to do something. You have to act. You can't just, just sit and do nothing. That's not good. So a way out can mean many things to many people. It can be moving. If you want to move to, I don't know, Belize or whatever, it can be, you know, you know, becoming more vocal about it, you, you know, telling your friends like I did on my Facebook, I told all my white friends to share. And I've gotten like, I don't know, 400, 500 shares so far from two days ago of the article, the little post that I made about my kids. I said, I want you to look at my kids' faces and tell your kids, tell your fathers, tell your sons, these are my sons. They didn't do anything to you. You have no right to hunt them down. I have to do my part. And someone else might do something different. And that's okay. There's, this is this is something that we're just kind of like the pandemic. We're learning as we go how to do it. This is not officially slavery time, but is it really not? You know, because this is beyond anything anybody would have wanted in 2020 for someone to lay on somebody's neck, not his back, not his shoulder, not his knees, his neck. Another man like you, another grown man like you until he dies. That is cold-blooded murder as far as I'm concerned. And you watch that man walk away scot-free because he can. So it's very distressing for me as a mother, extremely distressing. It should be for everyone really, not just me as a mother, but me because I have three black sons and I don't know each birthday is that the last birthday they're going to celebrate. I don't know. They don't get a chance to die of natural causes. And it's very, very distressing, you know, so. You know, the power <laughs> in what you did and and sh- and sharing the faces of your three sons uh, and, and for the listeners out there. And I, and I know I have I have listeners in New Zealand and in Austria and, 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 and globally. I, you know, I, I look at the, the breakdown of the downloads and I, I see that there are people throughout the world who uh, are in different who are tuned in so they may not be uh, aware of, of what's happening here. Um, but, but, but there's, there's a, a racial unrest taking place right now. And, but what's beautiful 
about what you did with your emotion, with your anger, because we're not, we're not, this is beyond race. This is about, like I said, we're really talking about the emotion of it in that you put a face to it. And, and a lot of times, like you said, we can't turn away from it. We have to, we have to look at it. We have to give it a face. And, yes. and, and when we talk about uh, suicidality and we talk about those flare ups and we talk about our anger and our sadness and our depression, we have to put a face to it. We can't, we can't run away from it. We can't escape uh, the, the, the flames of, uh, of suicidality and, and the burden and the feelings of like a burden and, and feeling like, like you're lonely and isolated. We have to give it a face. We have to name it. We have to acknowledge that, that we feel like this. We have to acknowledge that who our sons are and, and the state of, of the country. And we have to give everybody a face. And it's, it's when we all give a face to each other, instead of saying, my this guy who lives next door to me or this chick or that dude or that person, give them a name, give them a face yes. and it, it humanizes them. And, but we, but it's a lesson because when we do that, when our, with our emotions, you know, uh, when we're able to label our emotions and give it a name and, and, you know, Winston Churchill in his book called his depression, the black dog. And that's mm-hmm. how he was able to sit with it. And that he gave it, a, he gave it a name. He gave it a face. He gave it a character. He didn't run away from it. He didn't turn away from it. He didn't hide from it. He embraced it. He was like, "Ah, oh, there's my black dog. I, I, I knew you would come home again." And and he sat with it. And we have to do these things with our emotions and with our pain and with our hurt because it, it's it's part of life. The the uh, pain and and hurt and violence is. It's, you know, if you believe in a Big Bang theory, the, the earth was birthed from violence. And when you think about earthquakes and, and hurricanes and hmm. floods and tsunamis, it's, 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 not, it's non-discriminatory. It doesn't yes. care about where you're from or what you did or what your abilities are or what you've read or what school you've been to. Nature itself is at all times, at all times, trying to end our life. However, on the flip side, on the flip side of this, Dr. Lulu, Nature is also at the same time trying to save your life. From, from the day you're born, the cells in your body are going to war with the bacteria, with the COVIDs, mm. with the viruses, with the germs mm. that are trying to enter your body and destroy you from the inside out. And from day mm. one, nature has given you tools and equipment and genes and muscles and cells to, to go to war so that you can live to be 20 and 40 and 80 and 90 so that you can run marathons and so you can read and blink your eyes and move your hands. Nature is at, at, at both times con- conspiring against you and for you. So mm. how are you going to stand in the middle of that? Mm. Where's, how, are you, how are we going to find peace within all that, realizing that, that we are really looking at the, 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 the laws of nature, Law, nature is, is both here to destroy and create at all times. Mm. And, and when we breathe that in and, and, and we take solace in that and we accept that, right? And then we can, we can exhale and mm. say, okay, this is just what nature does. Sometimes nature yeah. brings in a sandstorm of pain and hurt and suffering. And sometimes it brings in this cool, calming stream and this, and this nice, soft wind, right? So yeah. knowing that both things are always happening, 
It's always there. How do we sit in this? I think to begin to begin with, you can't heal what you can't speak of. You just can't you can't heal it. If you can't name your disease, you can't take the right medicine, which goes back to just originally just making the right diagnosis in medicine so you can give me the right treatment. And I know you can tell this is not the same energy I had at my interview with you last week. And the only thing that happened was seven days in between, but I'm a different energy all day today. I mean, I don't know if I'm coming or going because I don't know what else to do, but I am happy. And I was glad to say that, you know, I, I could I could look at all 300 shares of the, of the, the posts and I could tell those who shared it because, well, let me just show that I'm doing something because they just shared it. And I could tell those who shared it because they really did feel me. They really saw me. And I didn't put any other person's picture, just my three boys, in their African shirts. I needed people to see them that these are black African boys. Yes, they're African-American, but they are primarily Nigerian-American. I wanted them to see their, their faces, smiley faces, didn't do anything to anybody. How do I know? Some of them who really feel my pain, they will write a blurb. From another mother to another mother, I see these, this mom, another doctor, or boys, or they will say something, and then others just post it and just leave. And then even, I, even in that, I see people saying, oh, well, well, my father never killed anybody, or my brothers never killed anybody. And I'm like, oh, my God, my, my sons haven't died either. Like, do you not get it? So some people just cannot engage because they missed the boat, the whole idea, they missed it. Now, we are all members primarily, first and foremost, of the human race. And then you start thinking black race, white race, pink race, don't matter. We're first human race. And so we owe it to each other. And I just thought the pandemic, you know, I was like doing the lockdown. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. But somebody said it was the calm before the storm. And I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was you. But somebody said this is the calm. Before, I think it was one of the doctors on my YouTube channel. She said, this is what this is one of the calms before the storm. I'm like, are you kidding me? He said, yes. And she was right because now there's a storm. But even in the midst of the storm, you know, Joel Osteen was talking about on Sunday how the the, the ocean teases the, the sands and the shore and the ocean says, oh, I'm going to come and I'm going to blow and I'm going to flood your land and everything. And then the sands say, I might be little, I might be tiny, but you can never, ever stay blowing. You're going to always end up going back. And then, indeed, no matter the tsunami, when the tsunami is over, the waters will always recede and then there'll be land again. So it's like, yes, but every now and again, you need a tsunami. You need people. People cannot, you know, it's like the Nigerians would say, our mumu don't do, which means it's enough already. Like, you can fool me once, shame on you, right? Is that what they say? Fool me twice, then shame on me. Like, come on now. Like, how long is this going to keep going? You can't. You can fool some people sometimes, but you can't fool all the people all the time. That's um, Robert Nestor Mali said that. So it's like, you know, you, you, how long are they going to try to keep us down? You know, there's a lot to be said about a name. Nigerians, you know, when you're talking about naming, saying a name, Nigerians name kids based on situations and events and things that happened. You don't just, you, nobody, no Nigerian child gets a name just to be getting a name. We don't just call you Joe or Cleo or Mandy. No, my name is Uchenna. It, it means that it's God's will. Why? Because 
my father was having his first child and he just knew it was going to be a boy. He just knew it was going to be a man, a Mandingo warrior to carry his name. And then I came along and his father proclaimed, well, it is God's will. They're going to have a girl first. And so my name is Uchenna, means God's will. When my brother came along as numero dos, my brother's name is called Ifanacho. Ifanacho means the child that we desire. Oh my goodness, like this is not a joke. We name our kids based on the events. When I was having my third son, I wanted a girl so badly. I was sick to my stomach wanting a little girl. And then my baby boy comes, my third son. My father named him Ijoma. Ijoma means the journey that the destination is only God that knows the destination. So we name our kids based on what's going on. So there's a lot to be said about putting a name to it. If you can name that, you will, I don't know what to say after that, but once you name it, you own it. You own it. And then we cannot figure out what do we do about it. You know? So finding balance is critical, but I think it's okay to allow yourself to tilt over sometimes. Maybe just don't topple all the way over, upside down, but tilt if you need to tilt. I mean, the the palm trees, like Joel Osteen was talking about, when there's a bad wind, the palm trees literally bend all the way, almost parallel to the ground, but they will always rise back up. Why? There are many trees that get split in the middle, but the palm tree specifically is right by the ocean, and I don't care where that wind comes from, that palm tree will never snap. So we need to become palm trees. We need to learn how to bend when we need to bend, but we must write ourselves back. So balancing it up. But that means when there's a when there's a hurricane, you need to act like there's a hurricane, like the palm tree. Bend if you have to bend. And bending in this case means get upset, get pissed off. Why not? It is a sad thing. It's a bad thing. But after all of all of it is done, then we now to write ourselves back up and then move forward and act appropriately and act accordingly, you know? So anyway, needless to say, one of the things I mentioned today was why people ask me all the time, you know, why do black kids want to kill themselves? Why does anybody want to kill themselves? And I say to them, the statistics have it that black children age five through 11 are twice as likely as the white kids to die by suicide because of unequivocal trauma. These kids are traumatized beyond traumatized. They are so, so traumatized. They have all kinds of trauma and they're not allowed to spring back. You have to spring back. When you take a deep breath, you must exhale. When you go to sleep, you must wake up. When you have an injury, you must let it heal. Even the best basketball player, if they get an injury, they must let it heal. The black child has not been allowed to heal. They're at home, there's drama. They get to school, there's drama. They go on the internet, there's drama. And now they look outside their door, their father is getting shot, their mother is getting killed. They are getting shot in their grandmother's backyard. They have no time to recoil. There's no, no recoil time. From all the days of, of slavery up until today, the black American, and I'm saying this with no I'm not wincing my words. I'm not rather mincing my words. I'm saying clearly the black child, and I mean the mother of Mother Africa's children, wherever they are, they don't get a break. And so for some of those kids, it is better for them to jump. They would rather jump because it's like, what else you want them to do? Everywhere they look, they're being hit from all corners. 
If we hadn't videoed that, you know, the little girl that videoed that, she is now getting death threats. People are now telling her that, oh, she should have never videoed it. Or what was she doing standing and videoing instead of helping? She's 17 years old, for goodness sakes. But people are now telling her. So imagine the kind of trauma. She's already witnessed this. She stayed long enough to, thank God she did. We will have never had a record of it. Or maybe we will have. I don't know. But that is very traumatic. So I reached out to her yesterday and I told her, I said, you know what? I will sign you up in my practice and I'll have you have free services for as long as you need it. Because this is very traumatic already. And then on top of it now, she's been re-traumatized by people who just think she did something wrong. You know, um, Colin Kaepernick is getting all kinds of hate for peacefully kneeling down one knee, taking a knee for something that he stands for. And another man, another grown adult male did the exact same thing. But with his knee, he killed somebody. What kind of mess is that? It's not good. So yes, we have to we have to open our mouths. And, and if you want to scream, go ahead and scream. If you want to run, run. Do what you got to do. Let it out. Don't let it sit. Because this kind of stuff is enough for people to just, just die of heartache. You know, who am I to celebrate my son's birthday? I mean, of course, we're celebrating it. But it's kind of somebody just lost her son yesterday for no reason. So I am definitely at a weird place and I'm going to let myself go through this weird place emotion because I may not get another chance and because I think it's it's a good thing for me to allow myself to mourn for somebody else. We must, as citizens of the human race, feel for other people. We must do that. It is our, our right to do it. You can't tell me not to feel bad about somebody else's because you know what? While she might not know, me, she can feel me. I know she can feel me feeling sad for her because of the butterfly effect. I know. I just know it. Can you talk to us about the butterfly effect? Well, I mean, the butterfly effect is just basically some scientific, I guess, social science study that if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon desert somewhere, not desert, forest somewhere in the Amazon, you can actually feel the effect where you are. And talking about just the fact that it's basically a ripple effect. Uh, but I mean, it's bigger than that. I don't have all the deeds right now, but it's something like that. I, no matter what, when you when energy is released somewhere, that energy is going to go somewhere. So it can be something as subtle as the butterfly's wings, but it can literally cause the ocean to overflow. And, you know, even something as small as that. So that's kind of how I understand it. I don't have all the details in front of me, but that's kind of, that's at least that's what I meant with this, you know, just giving that comparison. I know that that mother, I know that she feels the love that I have for her. I sacrificed my son's 22nd birthday to mourn with her because it's a time of mourning in America and it, it shouldn't be just me mourning. And thankfully, a lot of my white friends have come out, you know, and supported me and, and they're all going to have the talk with their family members, which they should, you know, and one of the, the reasons I went on Facebook Live and I got, I don't know, what, 3,000 views or more because I said I refuse to have a talk with my sons. I don't know what to tell them. They are just regular citizens, law-abiding citizens. I don't, I'm not going to tell them anything because somebody was like, well, you should tell, we should all tell our kids to do whatever the police says. Well, guess what? Whether they do what the police says or they don't do what the police says, if the police has the intention to bully them and kill them, that's what's going to happen. 
We've had kids that had skittles in their pockets that got killed, phone, cell phones, hairbrushes, people playing in their backyard in their grandmother's house getting killed, people sleeping in their bedroom getting killed. So it's not so it's not about it, it, people having an innocent traffic stop getting killed. Whatever you're doing, because your skin is black, you will get killed. That's it. So I'm not going to have any talk with my sons to act a certain way because my sons are law-abiding citizens. But that's not it. Doesn't it? Does it's not enough. But you know one thing though, you can't kill all of us. You cannot kill all of us. But yes, imagine the anguish that woman is going through. His uncles, his brothers and sisters, his children. I don't know if he had any, but imagine the anguish that family is going through. And tomorrow, if his mom decides to take enough Benadryl to kill herself, would you really truly blame her? So when you bring it back to suicide and the real reason why people kill themselves is a depressive crisis. They feel they feel like they're trapped. They're helpless. They're hopeless. They have nowhere else to go. Like their body is on fire and they want to put the fire out. And the only way to do that is to jump. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you, you had a history where you felt suicidal at a time, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about yes. that? Yes. I mean, I, I was married for 13 years. It was, it was a very abusive marriage. As a matter of fact, I like to say I got fibromyalgia from my marriage, but I also got three beautiful boys. But it, it was a very abusive marriage. And one night, I literally actually was homicidal. And that's one of the things about domestic violence. Can You can become homicidal or you can become suicidal. So I was homicidal that night. And I, I gave a, my TEDx talk in my in my university was 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 about that. I just I wanted to just put a pair of scissors in on the left side of his chest because I know I'm a doctor. I know I know what to do. But thank God I didn't. And what I did was I went upstairs to the to the, the our nanny had a, a like a bedroom upstairs. I just went up there and just laid there for the rest of the night. I just I, I didn't know who I was anymore, but I knew I had to get out. And so I got out of the marriage and, you know, fast forward, joined the Air Force because I, I just I just wanted to leave that whole life of North Carolina behind me. So I joined the Air Force and then and I became commander and medical director and all these big, big things because I came in as a lieutenant colonel. But then I found out that my ex-husband, you know, like, you know how they put the last, the final nail on the coffin one day it was Thanksgiving week in 2015. I went to the ATM to go get some money for, you know, Thanksgiving. And there was no money in my account. And I was like, what the, what the hell is this? So I just thought it was maybe identity theft. And I was like, oh, we'll take care of it on Monday. I'm sure it's a mistake. So I Monday, I called the, the bank and they're like, uh, ma'am, actually the IRS took your money. I'm like, what? So that's when I realized that every single red cent of mine was, was gone. They had taken every piece of it. And so when I called them, they were like, well, ma'am, you owe us $329,000 from back taxes. I'm like, what the heck? You know, I didn't know about this. But because I was not my office manager, my ex-husband was my office manager, my business practice manager. So bottom line is that just kind of just tossed me over because I had just gotten divorced. I became a single mom. I joined the military. I moved, sold my house, sold my practice. And then this was the final straw. And so bringing that back to suicide is very, very rarely one particular inciting event that causes someone to become suicidal. However, it is one, one event.
that causes them to end up with suicide. So let me say that again. To become suicidal, going down the path of suicidal thoughts and ideations usually is a constellation of series of unfortunate events. But usually it takes one of them that day to toss you over. And I know we talked about this when you were on my podcast about how sometimes it's usually a day you should be celebrating. And like, well, why am I not celebrating? Why am I not happy? Something just kind of comes over you and just kind of takes over. And you're like, you know what? That's it. But bringing it to children, because we talk about children, because I talk about children mostly, usually for them it's trauma in the form of bullying at school, maybe bullying at home, maybe the parents are just not available emotionally, maybe they're LGBT and they're being teased or they want to come out, they can't come out, all of those things. And then one day somebody just calls them a name and that day they just go to the house and just hang themselves or whatever. So for me, I that just kind of triggered this crazy, crazy emotions. Just everything just kind of came back. Just the ostracization by my ex-family, ex-husband's family. And then just the stress of having to put on a good face every day and go and see patients and having to just act like everything was okay, but it really wasn't. And just trying to be the super mom to my three kids. It just wasn't. Trying to be a super wife. I just, I couldn't. And so I said to myself, you know, and I just managed happened to say to my spouse, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to kill myself because I can't take it anymore. And thankfully, she was in tune with my, with what I was saying that day. Because, you know, I could have said it another day and maybe she wouldn't have heard me. She was like, uh, no, not on my watch. She starts talking to me very, very gently because when you are at that point, you really are agitated. You're you're not thinking straight. You're, you need to be hugged and and talked, slowly talked off the ledge, as it were. Because for me, I was, I mean, I was in the bedroom saying it, but I was, I had had it. I had had it. But then that brings me back to people who do indeed end up killing themselves or dying by suicide. Those people actually are very, very brave people in the sense that it takes a lot. It's counterintuitive. You know, your your mind, like you said at the beginning, your body wants to protect you. Your body is doing everything to protect you from doing this. And yet you just kind of override that. So at that point, you're no longer rational. And so when people and I ask for compassion, I ask for kindness, I ask for understanding and for grace upon people who are suicidal. Because really, honestly, they have had it all and then some. At that point, they are beyond overwhelmed. They're dealing with big time emotional burnout. They're not thinking straight. So you, the last thing you want to do is tell them, oh, you know, you don't really mean it or, you know, why would you do such a thing or whatever? I don't know, something like a radical they're very, very fragile emotionally at that point. It's a very, very tough time. And so, like you said, at, 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 during my own interview with you, you said when you, when you call that number, you got a beautiful, warm heart at the other side of the, the, the phone talking to you as gently as ever, just caressing you and just telling you it's okay, just just come back, just, just come back. But people who are living in America right now, who are African-American, it's so tough because even the government is against them. Even the president doesn't have the grace to call it what it is. I mean, it's just terrible. So it's like there's no respite. 
So, you know, in, 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 in Igbo land, at least in Nigeria, <clears throat> we say if nobody, when you fall, when a lizard falls from the tree, <clears throat> excuse me, we say when a lizard falls, falls from the tree and lands on the ground, if no one praises him, he will praise himself. So I think I want African-Americans listening to me right now to praise themselves, to hug themselves that much tightly, to, to just give themselves grace and find healing from within. We have to heal ourselves. Yes, there is black on black violence, but if you go down and really open up all of the layers and whatever, you see that even that has a, a source from some kind of discrimination somewhere. I mean, it's it's... it's it's wrong for you to want to hurt your own, you know, but it's hard to explain when everyone seems to be against you, you know, then you also become against yourself, you know, so it's, it's, it's not easy to understand. It's obviously not a one day's conversation, but what I ask for people that are listening is grace, 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 just forgiveness and understanding and compassion for people who are suicidal, who do die by suicide is not an easy thing at all to do. What a powerful story. And you're absolutely right. The, the compassion, the grace, these are things that we not only should hold for people who have decided to end their life, but, you know, for, for ourselves. I, I think that a lot yes. of people uh, underestimate how... Uh, challenging uh, the times are right now. And, you know, even mm -hmm. for me, you know, if I'm just talking about myself is, you know, I, there are moments of overwhelm. Yesterday I was going for a walk and I just broke down crying yesterday, you know, just, uh, and, but I felt great afterwards. You know, I used to try to hold it in and, yes. and now I, I embrace the, the tears. I embrace yes. the, I embrace the breakdowns because yes. it's after I've, I've, I've fallen in and I broke down that I can, I can slowly pick myself feel back up, up yes. and, and I feel so much better afterwards. Mm -hmm. I never feel worse after I cry, after after I, I let out some emotions, after I express that I, I'm hurt or that I'm bothered by things. Uh, there, there's always a, a, a relief and a relaxation that accompanies uh, the, the sharing of emotions and expressing of it, whether it's to myself. It's like you said, the lizard you know, uh, praises himself, you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, to take that time to pat yourself on the back uh, for, mm -hmm. for how far you've come and for what yes. you've done. And the, the, like you said, the butterfly effect, the small things mm -hmm. that, that you you're doing, whether it's just making your bed in the morning, that, that resonates, uh, across the, the land and the oceans. And, and it affects how, how, how a mom talks to her son and it affects, uh, how a boss talks to his employee, that, that little act of kindness and compassion that, that you created in your own home, it reverberates uh, through the universe. So understand the power of that. Yeah, absolutely embrace the vulnerability. And I love the fact that you have found it because it is important that we embrace our vulnerabilities. No one is so strong that they can't cry. And even Pharaoh, I like to use this story a lot, even Pharaoh ended up crying when his son died. But why did, he, why did his son have to die before he let the people go? You know, so uh, no one is so strong that they, that they can't cry. I, I say embrace the tears if you have to and let them be building blocks, of course, 
for for whatever freedom. But I but going back to you breaking down yesterday and, and, and crying, I'd like that. I like to tell my patients to do an immediate thought download. Whenever you get that thought, that negative thought, you need to embrace it right away. Right away. Don't stack it because humans by nature want to stack. Want to stack. Want to stack. Want to be Spartan boys. Want to show that we're brave. But really, that ultimately burns you. That gives you fibromyalgia and lupus and every inflammatory disease out there because you're holding on to the pain. And your body is not supposed to be holding on to pain. It's supposed to be a, a nice, easygoing body and free to experience all the emotions, happiness, joy, sadness, you know, anger, all of that. And it was Jay Shetty that said, crying is the exact same emotion as laughing. You use the exact same muscles. But one of them is sad and one of them is happy, but they're the same exact same emotion. So why will you only allow yourself to be happy or to laugh? Why don't you allow yourself to cry as well? And if more of us allowed ourselves to cry, we wouldn't be here. We would not be here. Absolutely, because if we suppress the the pain, then we, we suppress the promise. We suppress the, yes. the purpose. We suppress the joy. You know, you, you can't you can't uh, cover up one and, and think you're just going to be left with the other. No, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. The heads, yes. heads is pain and and, and tails is joy. And, and if you if you don't want one, then you don't want the other. You can't I experience agree with you. that. When, when, I agree with you. When when you, you work primarily with teenage uh, suicide, correct? Yes. Well, youth is really what I like youth. to say, because okay. I realized that, yeah, my youngest patient is eight years old. And of course, my oldest is like 23 or something. So, yeah, I like to say youth, but youth spans through like 34, as a matter of fact. So ideally, I, you know, I have a couple of medical students and you know, they're a little older. I have a 63 year old patient. I mean, if he's, he's not my I'm not seeing him as his doctor. I'm seeing him as his coach, because a lot of this has to do with emotional mindsets. But so I, I like to say it's pretty much anyone who just needs a little bit of just a little someone to ask you what happened, because that really is the question we need to be asking ourselves. What happened as opposed to why? Most people want to say, well, why do you want to kill yourself? So the answer to that is because I want to die. But if I ask you, well, what happened? You say, oh, my uncle has been raping and molesting me for the past eight years. So you see the difference? When you ask me what happened, then you want to know my story. If you just ask me why, I'm just going to tell you because I want it or because. And actually, why is more like a judgmental question. So people should avoid asking suicidal, distressed people why. Ask them what happened. And you might be lucky that they might want to share with you. And of course, the danger then is if they share with you, then what do you do? So, yes, I work with suicidal, or I like to call them at-risk teens. All of them are not necessarily suicidal, but they're definitely going through that rough patch. And we have to manage their emotions big time. We have to manage their thoughts big time. So I call myself a mindset mender because I help you really mend that mindset and get, get out of that place where you feel like you have no hope. You have no, you know, there's nothing else you can do but but jump. My only challenge that I found with working with these teenagers is the obvious challenge. They go back home to their parents who don't really get it, who may or may not really be the reason why this thing is happening in the first place. So 
I find that it's easier for me to work with the teenagers and then turn around and work with their parents. So in my future self, I'm going to be working with the parents and the teenagers at the same time so that I'm avoiding having to repeat what I've said already because the kids are okay with me, but then they get home and there's toxicity again at home. So it's a bit of a challenge, but I'm glad I'm doing it. It's very, it's a lot of fun. Teenagers, for the most part, are just, they just, you know, they're basically adults, but they still have a little, their minds are not developed. So we, most parents forget that they were once teenagers. And so my biggest work with my parents, my teens' parents, is asking them to go back and remember their teen years. If you remember that the one thing you wanted, like I'm going to ask you now, Mr. Flowers, what is the one thing you wanted from your parents when you were a teenager? Can you remember? I, the one thing that I wanted, <laughs> I, I think it, it was, uh, maybe support, maybe uh, I actually uh, more understanding. I like that. I knew you were going to go there. Most of them, yes, exactly. Most across the board, that's what we all wanted. Literally, I like to call it valley freaking dation. We, we, the teenagers just want you to validate their craziness because it's going to last for just the teen years. If the child wants to color their hair purple, let them color their hair purple. It's not that big a deal. It's just hair. It's going to grow back. If the child wants to date somebody who wears their pants down, let them date the person who wears their pants down. I think within reason, because we also wanted the same things when we were teenagers. We all wanted our parents to see us. The teenagers feel invisible. They want their parents to see them. Of course, it's a two-way street because you I can't read your mind. That's true. So, But let me, I need you to, they need their parents to leave the door open so that they might come in and tell them. But most parents just have this, you know, oh, you must do it this way and uh, whatever. I don't know. But it's just they don't give them. There's no doors that open to allow the kids to come in and have that conversation which needs to be had. And so but if the parents can just take a trip back to their teenage years to just see what it is that they wanted was for their parents to also just really honestly just see them. Many parents want their kids to to live as them. Is that the word I'm looking for? They want to live through their kids. But no, that's not your life. Your life is your own. Your child's life is their child's life. The truth is parents need to re rethink the toxicity if there's any because these kids are already being faced with unsurmountable toxicity at school, on the school bus, in the playground, with schoolwork. They're already going through so much and then throw in cyberbullying or throw in the cyberspace or cliques or whatever, gangs. They are already being challenged so much. It's important that they have this oasis when they come back home. So for parents to remember that, and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's difficult for the kids to really open their mouths and say it. So what I ask the parents to do is ask the kids the questions. Ask them the tough questions. You know, ask them this question I learned, that's called a scaling question, a dream question. Like, if, if, you know, if everything you had in this world was perfect, if you could have anything that you wanted in your wildest dreams, what would it be? 
And you'd be surprised, the child would just say, well, mom, I just want you to knock before you come in my room. Something as simple as that. Or it could be, you know, I just don't like after school program, do I have to go? And then maybe because they are being bullied at after school. You know, it could just be something as simple as, you know, I just want to go play with my friends sometimes. And when you tell me not to go play with my friends, I feel different. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but you'll find out by asking them in, in an ideal world. Let's just say you could get anything that you want. What would it be? But be ready for the answer because it might shock you and be something as simple as, I just want a car or I don't know, whatever, you know? So I want the parents to embrace that, go towards the fear, because a child who is suicidal, honestly, if you ask them, you know, are you thinking about hurting yourself? You might be surprised. They'll be like, oh, mom, how did you know? Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for asking. You never know. But people are afraid to ask the question because they think, as you know, that by asking the question means you're planting the ideas in their head, which could not be as far away from the truth as possible. It's like asking someone, are you having sex? And all of a sudden, yeah, they're going to go have sex. Or are you wearing a seatbelt? I mean, I don't know, whatever. Maybe not a seatbelt. But just asking the question doesn't make the child go and become suicidal if they don't have a constellation of symptoms or of of trauma that is already pre-existing. You can't just become suicidal just like that. No, it's not something, it's, again, like I said at the beginning, it's counterintuitive. It's not something that you want to do. And then if, you know, another big one that I get a lot is kids who have been sexually molested by you at the the uncles or the pastor or the neighbor and the parents refuse to validate the story or refuse to believe the story. And that is so bad because a lot of those kids end up killing themselves. Another group of kids that kill themselves a lot are the LGBTQ kids because these kids just can't find any kind of respite. They toss the Bible at them, then they want to pray over them to convert them, then the kids at school are teasing them, then people think that, oh, they are perverts, they are sexual perverts. I mean, and then they get there, people just literally hunt them down to kill them. There's a high rate of homicides for trans people. I mean, they can't get a break. And so many of them don't want to come out. But imagine what that does to the person. So it's, it's, it's really, when people ask me, why does somebody kill themselves? It's not as simple as... A, B, C, like literally speaking, it's a lot more than that. So it's a conversation that needs to be had. And so every day I thank my God and the universe that I quit my job two years ago to do this because I would have never known all the things that I, I would have never known you. But I would have never known all the things that I know now by just asking myself, why did my seven-year-old patient who came to see me, he tried to hang himself twice. I said, why would he want to do that? And I'm so glad I asked myself that question because that's how that's why I'm here today. You know? For the for the seven year old, what what was that answer to that? No, no, I'm saying I asked myself, I asked oh. myself the question. Yeah. He has he well, I mean by I can answer you. He's eight now. Oh no, he's nine now. He has ADHD. And so another group of kids who do attempt suicide a lot are kids that have ADHD because they're extremely impulsive. And my own theory, this is a, my own personal theory, is most of these kids at the age of four or five, most children understand the finality of death. They do. They know that when grandma dies, she's not going to come back. They understand that when their pet fish, Jillian, dies, it's not going to come back. They know that. However, what I believe that they don't know is that this particular act of hanging myself is irreversible. Like, it's like quicksand. Once you try to hang yourself, you start struggling and it, it can't. 
You can't. Most times it's, it's too late. Of course, they're not here for us to ask them. But most kids don't. Like The reason I say that is because there's a, a game that used to be called the monkey something, something monkey. Ugh. Monkey in the I forget middle? the name. No, 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 no. It's um, it's a hang, it's a hanging game, hangman game or something. I forget the name. I'll probably remember it at midnight today. But it's something space monkey. That's the name. It's called space monkey. Basically, these kids literally asphyxiate themselves. They hang themselves to get a high. So one of those kids, and and as of 2016, we had 14 in the year 2016 alone. We had 1,400 of these kids had died accidental deaths. And if you don't know this, which I know you know, Leo, but most people don't know, that suicide, or maybe they do because they listen to you, in the age, ages 10 through 34, is second only to accidents. And so the question I ask myself is, how many of those accidents were really suicides? We don't know. Now, these kids that do this space monkey thing, they hang themselves. Okay, they actually literally put a belt or whatever to hang themselves. And then some of them die from that. One kid who lived in South Carolina, he was actually videoing himself on YouTube or whatever. He said, and I quote, I hope I don't get hurt. Well, he didn't make it. So they mix, most of them do not even understand that they could die from it. Most of them don't understand the finality of that act. But of course, at that moment when they are hanging themselves, they're usually alone. They're usually by themselves, and that's the thing. So this little guy tried to hang himself twice with the computer cord and the bed, I think the pillowcase. But both times he had been upset by his uncle. It doesn't matter what happened, but the point is something triggered. But because he had ADHD and he was impulsive, he acted probably before he thought. But he was only seven. He could have died. So it is the onus is on us, the adults, to not push the kids to the point because you don't know, you don't know everybody's resiliency level. You don't know what is going to take for me to jump? You don't. And so it's imperative for us to take a, just take a breather and rethink before we act and just, you know, say things that might be hurtful because you think, oh, you know, it, I didn't really, he's not really going to do anything. Well, you don't know all the, the baggage I've already, all the thoughts I've been stacking. You don't know. So going back to humans, stacking thoughts, you know. So it is what it is, baby. I tell you. Uh, you know, you talk about stacking thoughts and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, we get into rumination and the obsessive thoughts. How, how do we, you know, besides going to a therapist, obviously, or, or, uh, or going to group therapy, how can somebody slowly start to un, unstack the thoughts that, that seem to be well, building up? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think the first question is, the first answer is in be intentional about it. Be intentional, like literally be intentional about it. And I gave you the picture of, you know, taking the needle in the old days with a gramophone on the A track, literally taking the needle and placing it on the track you want to listen to. People have to be very, very intentional. Number one is you must recognize the thoughts. You must recognize them when they're coming in. A lot of people write in their journal at the end of the day. My patients will tell you, Dr. Lulu says, don't write at the end of the day. Write it at the moment when the thought comes in. Why do I say that? Because if you allow it to, I don't know, what's going, I don't know what the next thought is going to be. You might not be able to make it till bedtime, if you know what I mean. So I ask them right there at that moment, stop 
and get your journal and write it down. And then when you write down those thoughts, you know, you, then you reach out. So there's three R's. Number one is recognize the thoughts. Just recognize them for what they are. When I ask people about bullying, I say, you know, which what's the worst kind of bullying? Everybody tells me, oh, the physical bullying when they get punched and get beat up. And then some people say verbal bullying. Some say cyber bullying. But the worst kind of bullying is the internal bullying. That's the one that you bully yourself. Most people cannot look at themselves in the mirror because they're like, they tell themselves, oh, you're so ugly, you're so this, you're so that, oh, my hips are too this, my thicks are my lips. All of those little, little things you say to yourself, all of them accumulate. They all of them. And then you don't need me to tell you from the outside because you're already, you know, telling yourself all these bad things. And then if it does happen from the outside world, then of course it makes you that much. Yeah, of course. You tell, yeah, of course. You're bad. Of course. You know, you, you can't amount to any good or whatever. You tell a child long enough that they're stupid and they're going to believe that they're stupid. So what I tell you to do is recognize when those thoughts come. Do not stack them. Recognize it for what it is. For me, for instance, I'm going to be teaching, a, I want to do an online course, okay? For the past one month, I've been telling myself, oh, oh God, I'm scared of technology. But that's not really true. I just don't want to do it. And so I'm looking for every reason to say something negative about myself so I don't do it. Like, and then blame it on that. You know what I mean? But really, all I have to do is just get online, record the courses, and I'm then push it out. So what you do is you now ask yourself, you said, you ask yourself questions like, you know, haven't you done this before? Is that a call? Are you talking Hello? to me? You said, is that a call? I think, yeah, I feel like there's a call coming in. You don't hear it? No, not at all. Okay, I hear. Okay, good. So, but so that you know, you you, you I ask so you ask yourself first of all, what is this thought? What is it telling me? Oh, you're not good enough. How do you even believe that you're not good enough? You just did this, that, 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 and the other. You did all these things. Of course, you're good enough. But you got to tell yourself, and you got to be ready to believe it. And I give the story all the time, the story of when I went to. I used to do my marketing when. The world was normal on Wednesdays. I would go to the doctor's offices and tell them about my practice. So this particular Wednesday, I, went, I walked into the doctor's office. I had been to like, I don't know, 10 offices that day. And that was like my last one. And I told my story to the lady in the front. She was like, oh, my goodness, we have a lot of patients for you. I know you're going to be, you know, I know they can't wait to speak to you. We're going to give you a lot of patience. And then she goes to go call the office manager or something. And I asked to use the restroom. And so she shows me the restroom. I open the door. I walk in. I had my high heels on. I was feeling really, really good with myself. I walked straight to the mirror and I said to myself, girl, you're killing it. And I winked at myself. And that, those few words I said to myself kept me on a high for like a week or two because I recognized to myself that I was killing it. So you have to be your own self cheerleader because uh, maybe a seven-year-old, I mean, it may be harder to sell that idea to, but a 17-year-old or a 77-year-old, I can tell them, you have to be your own self cheerleader. If you don't reach out for help, nobody's going to know that you need, you need help. I mean, some people might be able to read you, but maybe they can't. So number one is recognize your thoughts and it's number two is reach out. Reach out, tell somebody about it. If you can't, tell yourself about it. You, there you go again. Yeah, okay. Let, be the one who talks to yourself. That's okay. If it's going to be for the, for the greater good. Say, there you go again. No, uh-uh, not today. I'm not going to think that. Say it out loud if it makes you feel better. Because I tell people, I say, write it down. But if you don't want to write it down, say it out loud. Uh-uh, I'm not going to think that. Not now. Mm-mm. I don't want to hear that. 
command those thoughts to go away. So reach out to yourself or reach out to somebody. And then the third R is rise up. See, the thing about rising up means there's intention. Rising up means there's movement. It's kinetic energy. It's no longer it's no longer inertia versus laying in bed the whole time with these thoughts just ruminating on them and just ruminating on them and sleep, wake up, still ruminating on them. Eventually, you're going to ruminate yourself to, to, to something that's really bad for you, you know? So I say to them, when those thoughts are coming, just like the triple A's, the same thing as the triple R's, analyze, the, first of all, acknowledge the thought, analyze it, and then act. Recognize the thought, reach out to somebody because we can't read your mind. And then, of course, rise up. Physically rise up if you have to. Get out of the house if you need to. I had a patient who called me because my patients have my cell phone number. That's what I, they have my direct cell phone number. He called me a few weeks ago. He was screaming on the phone, say, Dr. Lulu, I need help. I need help. That's all I heard him say. And I just started screaming, get out of the house. Literally, as I was telling him to get out of the house, I got out of my house. I, got, I was just, I was willing him to do what I was doing. Okay. And he, thankfully, Get out of the house. He's 19 years old. And I told him, I said, I need you to leave everything you're doing right now and come to see me in the office. Coincidentally, his parents also had an appointment that day at 3 p.m. Well, guess what? As soon as he walked into the room, his mother noticed his neck before me. She showed me a sign to look at his neck. He had fresh rope marks. He just tried to hang himself that afternoon. I just thank God that he called me. He would have been a dead man. But the, the reason why I give them my cell phone is because when they are in danger, I need them to call me right now. He didn't call his mother. He didn't call his father. He called me. And for that, I will keep doing this work because it's important work. He came. He's alive. He's doing well. I mean, he's, you know, thriving as much as he can. But he didn't kill himself that day because he had me to call. So I want people listening to me. I want you to be that person that's going to be called. There's a beautiful app called the Not Okay app. It was actually designed by a boy and his sister, two teenagers in Atlanta, Georgia, black kids, as a matter of fact. His, the boy decided for his sister who had a history of depression and she was going through something. And I don't know how the whole thing worked out, but I mean, came about, but this app is called Not Okay App. What it does is you, you the parents, you actually input names of five trusted adults into the app in your child's phone. So that whenever the child is going or is feeling that they're not okay, all they have to do is type, I'm not okay, or press not okay. And it sends out a message to the five people as well as the GPS locations of the child so that somebody can come and get that kid before they hurt themselves. So that's my favorite find of all the things I've found. That app is free to download. It's called Not Okay. Down, everybody must have it on their phones and on their kids' phones. I think you save someone's life. I love that, and I'll, I'll put a link for that uh, in the show notes uh, for, for those who are listening. That's such a, a valuable tool, uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Lou. We could talk for for hours. Is there anything that we <laughs> that we haven't covered uh, that you want to share? We're definitely going to have you back on because uh, <clears throat> you know I, I I love that one that you shared where you were at. Um, and, and that you, you know, like you said, like, n- no, you, you're, it's, it wasn't the same energy as when we met, but that's, that's the beauty of life, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, that you, you showed up as you are and that was enough and it was, it was powerful. It was impactful. And it, it's a demonstration to, to listeners 
to that that we don't we're not robots. We're not meant mm-hmm. to be always with a smile on our face. We're not meant to always be crying. We're not always meant to be anything. We are, our moods, our emotions, they're, they're like uh, weather patterns that that come and go. And there's a cold front, and there's a a warm front, and there's rain, and there's sun. We're yes. we're all the things. And so I appreciate you for for <laughs> being authentic and being genuine and showing up. Uh, as yourself so that uh, you even as a, as a doctor and working with so people can hear that it's okay to be affected. It's okay to not, (laughs) to not be okay. okay. That's right. right. All day, all All day, day. all day. day. Plug all your things. Where can people find you? Be shameless. Uh, I I hang out on Facebook all day, all day, every day. So my first name is Uchenna. My last name is Ume. There are nine of us on Facebook and there are nine of us on Twitter with the same first and last name. And there are six of us on Facebook with the same first and last name. But I'm the, I'm usually the fly girl looking fly. Uh, that's the only way to describe myself. <laughs> but generally I, um, I, I, I coast on Facebook. I'm also usually on LinkedIn a little bit and, um, and LinkedIn, my name is Dr. Lulu. My Facebook official page is ask Dr. Lulu, but you have to spell out the word doctor. My email is also askdrlulu at gmail.com. And then my Instagram is also askdrlulu. You just have to spell out the word doctor. And Lulu, of course, is L-U-L-U. And yes, they are my initials. And apart, apart from that, I'm, I'm just, I want people to just know that like you said, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to allow yourself to, to have those bad days, but just don't don't stay there too long. It's okay to go there though. Don't de- don't deny yourself of going there. You need to go there from time to time. Just don't don't stay there for too long because then it's counterproductive. But yes, if somebody's feeling down, allow them to feel down. Allow them to cry. Give them a hand to hold. Um, hug on them. Love on them. You know, allow them to, you know, just be, just be, that's it. But yeah, I would like to come back on another day. I know people probably don't, they would not believe it. It's, oh my God, why does she sound so sad? Well, I mean, it is what it is. Maybe I'll come back on another day when I'm I'm happy. And and although we covered it, I asked this of all my guests, because I always feel like there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life before you kill yourself what would you say to them i'll say do something else just do one more thing and i learned this from you last week you know fix your 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 socks roll your your socks um i think the main thing i'll do is before you kill yourself i I say call me just call me call dr lulu my number is 802-768-1180 call somebody even though i have had a, a guest on my podcast who told me that she was the person that was called and while she was talking to her sister in law her sister in law killed herself but call someone do something just do one more thing it doesn't matter what it is. I like the outdoors. I love to exercise. So I'll say to you, get out of the house. Get out of the house because it does two things. It gets you out of that mindset and also gets you physically out of the space. So if nothing else, get just get out. 
get, get away from there. And you can open your mouth and speak loud and tell the thoughts to go away. Of course, there are other things like don't have a gun in the house, don't have medications that could kill you, you know, but you can't run away from everything, you know. So most of the kids that kill themselves, they use their jump ropes and their belts. So it's not even a gun. However, what I'm saying is get out of that space mentally and get out of that space physically. You will feel better in like 15 or 20 minutes, guaranteed. Or if worse comes to worse, call someone like I told my patient to do. Call somebody and ask that person, how can I make your day better? If you call five people and ask them, how can I make your day better? By the time you get to the third or fourth person, you will feel better. I love that question. I'm going to call five people today and, and ask that. And, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, share the responses with you. That's such a powerful question. How can I make your day better? Thank you so much, Dr. Lulu. Thank you, listeners, for listening in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE number. Uh, their international numbers linked in the show notes. Their chat numbers. There are online numbers. There are uh, support groups. All that. There is no excuse for you not to do one of the three R's, uh, whether it's reach out, recognize, or, or rise up. There's the information in the show notes. Dr. Lulu gave you her number. Can you give your number one more time, Dr. Lulu? 802-768-1180. I love it. And, and so for you listeners, uh, you can you know you can slow down or speed down or speed up the 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 uh, the playback. Uh, so you can you can capture that and you can rewind it if you, if you need to catch it again. But but there but there are people who want to hear your story and that that want to help that you don't you're not even aware of. That's the beauty of it. Yes. There's always an yes. X factor. Life is algebra. It's not it's not it's not arithmetic. It's not two plus two yes. equals four. There's always an X we're trying to solve. That that we're all there's always an unknown. And that's where the beauty is. And that's where our life is. And, and that's where the compassion is. And, and that's the reason to get out of bed, because we don't know everything and, and things aren't always the same. And, and there's always something to be curious for and, and, and something to work towards. So uh, go to thrivewithleo.com to work with uh, yours truly one on one. And let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Dr. Lulu. Very welcome. Very welcome.